Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything from the Quarantine Zone. Yes, at least now it feels like we're across the table because we started using video. So I think yeah, we'll I don't, do a better job in our last two podcasts, just in case yeah, people are disappointed in us. I don't understand why we didn't do this before. Apparently, video chatting is so much better. And it kind of makes me think, like, usually at work, I don't use video chat. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I should use video chat because it just makes... Uh, communicating so much more simple you get so much more uh, data from seeing the person's face about when to speak how to communicate when to talk all, of, all those kind of things yeah that's, that's one way of doing things but usually anyways that's that's work i don't want to think about work <laughs> i really have <laughs> that's fair all right so uh now that we've been uh quarantined and hadn't haven't been able to play games uh mostly uh our Thoughts have been going to games and stuff you can do by yourself while you're quarantined. We're looking for stuff to do. I mean, I've been painting, but like that uh-huh. itch does get out there to play some games. So. Oh, yeah, I know. So like you can, you can continually, you know, paint and that's super fun. And, and like we've mentioned before, painting plus watching TV or, or listening to podcasts is a great or, or possibly the best, best way to spend your time. But you need a break, right? You want to switch things up still, right? So even if that's the primary go-to, in our opinions, of how to spend your off time, besides, you know, like hanging out with loved ones or things like that, uh, you still get like an itch to go and play games. So how... So for those of us who try not to play video games, because I mean, you can play all the video games by yourself if you want, but I think for both of us, we're like, okay. I know, actually, I've been playing way too many video games right now. So <laughs> You feel ashamed, right? Yes, I definitely feel right. ashamed, and I've uh, uninstalled most of them. Because some of them are just like too addictive. Right, a lot of video games these days, especially the ones that are um, really popular, I guess, they're made to be addictive. And so instead of feeling really fun, it just feels like draining. Like you're definitely playing it for a long time, and it hooks you, drags you along. But it basically uses uh, gamble. Yeah, exactly. It feels like they're using gambling. Reward mechanisms? Yeah, reward mechanisms as opposed to truly rewarding or at least, you know, it's all games and everything like that, but much more personally rewarding or satisfying, I think is the right word, more satisfying mechanisms. So like I was, I was playing Hearthstone, it was kind of fun, but I'm like, oh, this feels like a treadmill. And I understand why, because a lot of these online games, they're um, pay, to, pay to play, right? They're transactional. Mm-hmm. So the entire idea is they hook you because it's free and then... <laughs> They, they, but it's not fun enough unless you give them money, which I, I Oh, hate. you feel like you're being held back? Yeah. Yeah, they do hold you back, and they're saying, oh, well, your game could be slightly more fun if you pay us a little bit more money, but it's just the entire treadmill is terrible. Like, I think these, these uh, transactional, I don't know, what do you call them? Transactional games? Microtransaction-based games. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Profits. They're they're a cancer on video games, honestly. <laughs> they're terrible for gameplay. So uh, yeah, I hope they all die. Anyway, yeah, so I guess I guess getting out of video games and back into the like miniature games, like to yeah. get the more feeling of true satisfaction of like you've actually created something or you've like had more of a real experience. That mm-hmm. 
really feel like you get out of doing the miniatures games because part of it is your own creation that yeah mm-hmm. we, we talked you talked about how you can paint and build stuff on your own but then at some point you want more of that experience end of the hobby and uh-huh. if you're there by yourself or it's just hard to get people together we've been talking a lot more and i guess there's been a lot more talk lately with people staying at home about what some good single player miniatures games are yeah so single player missions that's our topic for this episode uh, mm-hmm. And so we could talk about Tabletop Simulator, but we really don't care about that. So <laughs> it's, it's just a bad video game. That's, that's, yeah, that's my, what I feel like. Yeah, I'm not saying all video games are bad. I'm saying microtransaction video games are bad. And mm-hmm. if you're going to play like other video games, you should play games that are not microtransactional. But Good. because we're into miniature games, we're going to talk about single player games. Yeah, so I think on previous podcasts, we've mentioned Frostgrave because you and I have been doing a Frostgrave campaign, which you already ran through most of it by yourself. So, uh, Oh, Rangers of Shadowdeep, you're talking about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's not the Frostgrave so, mechanics, but yes, it's called Rangers yeah, of Shadowdeep. Yeah, so Rangers of Shadowdeep is uh, by Joseph McCullough. 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 Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, but... Yeah, it's his single-player version of the game. And he released it, he self-published it, and that, and then he created a super fancy version uh, that was uh, published by Modifius that you can now buy, and it has, I think we mentioned this before, it has this faux leather uh, cover, and it feels so nice to touch it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Especially since your, your print-to-order once fell apart, you're like, eh, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the, the the print order ones kind of the quality is not as good. So it like literally ripped in half, which I was very surprised at. But it's okay because I spent a whole crap ton of money to order uh, the the fancy copy uh, mm-hmm. right when it came out. So are there? I'm trying to think of other single player miniatures games that are really popular, and they're sort of escaping me because for the most part, I only play competitive mini games. Yeah, well, when you're able to meet up with friends in, in the game store or at each other's houses because there's no quarantine. There's not a huge incentive to find a whole bunch of single player games because, you know, one or two, whatever are fine, right? And in fact, the reason, even when we played Rangers of Shadow Deep, um, you played it co op, right? We, so a lot of this single player kind of thing, a lot of the, the benefit is you can play it co op as well, and then you get the. Um, interaction that we like from uh, miniature or tabletop games right human interaction while also not necessarily playing the super cutthroat you know kill your opponent or kill your friend kind Mm -hmm. of uh, uh, to us it's a benefit but some people you know they don't want to do that all the time Um, so now though because we're all quarantined it makes sense that we're looking more into what kind of single player games there are Um, I feel like there's a lot of games that I, I have that are not necessarily miniature games. And I feel yeah, I was like gonna say it seems more like a board game thing when you get into well, cooperative games, because there's a lot of less competitive board game players out there. And there's yeah. probably just a base of board game players. So they've got more games to choose from. So really what came to mind most, like first thinking about what a co-op game would be in the, in the board game space would be Zombicide. Because I mean, it has miniatures. Yeah, that's but, true. Zombicide is like... It's arguably a miniatures game. A lot of people play it because it's pretty. You have a whole bunch of miniatures. You put them on the table. Yeah, you're you have no terrain, but you do have uh, you know spaces. So it's like the 
what you call it, the Battletech-esque kind of moving spaces on board kind of thing. Um, I feel like if you were moving chits around, it would not be as satisfying for a lot of people no. to play it. No, if you didn't see the, zo- the giant zombie monsters. And the mechanics of the game are very much miniature-like, right? You are you move your guy into a, a, a the um, close enough zone that they can attack the bad guys. Um, and you roll your to dice. attack them, and you roll your dice. Yep. So it's. It does have a lot of the aspects of Adventures game. That's probably why it came to mind. The thing is, I hate Zombicide. <laughs> I think I've, I don't know if I've explained it on other podcasts, uh-huh. but it's a co-op game. The problem uh-huh. is maybe there's a bit too much co-op because it feels like once there's okay. one player who knows the best possible option for that, mm-hmm. the, the other people just become superfluous. Like you don't even need them. You just need the guidance of the one person who's leading or just knows the game best. So I find the game is quite unsatisfying. Uh, so I'm, I'm more competitive player rather than the people who are board game yeah. players who want to just get along. Yeah, so I think this is a problem with a lot of co-op games in the tabletop space. I think it's because the tabletop space as opposed to the wargamer space is a lot more relaxed and it's a lot more... Um, like, uh, the people that play war games tend to be way more dedicated in terms of when they play it and how much they play it. So everyone is basically like an expert, right? Whereas when you're playing a co-op uh, board game, you're often playing the co-op board game because you're playing with a bunch of people with different, um, what do you call it, different skill levels, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're playing with your your, your five-year-old children. <laughs> killing zombies and murdering them or or dying and turning into a zombie yourself and so for them, just what, moving the guys and rolling the dice is enough not having to make like the five moves ahead decisions yeah or or maybe it's not just like your 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 you know a, a child but someone who doesn't play as much right that you've kind of got together and they don't want to play the competitive game where they're trying to crush you um so you're like okay let's play co-op in which case when there's such a huge skill gap uh, you don't feel, oftentimes people don't feel comfortable with letting the other players make bad decisions that will kill everyone because <laughs> it's a co-op game. And so I think this is a problem with a lot of games. Like I, I hear this a lot with uh, Pandemic, which is another uh, co-op game. That's not a board, that's a board game, not a miniature game at all. Um, yep. But it's a co-op one. It's it's probably one of the most popular ones um, where you have like an alpha gamer. Right, and whereas in an alpha gamer in a, co- a competitive one, basically everyone else competes against the alpha gamer to crush them because <laughs> that person is, yep, nope. is good. So it kind of balances no, itself. Yeah, it's just like a four-player board game. You're like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Don't <laughs> trade with him. Don't don't let yeah. your guard down against him. Exactly. And then every and then three people team up, and then the the alpha gamer, in some ways, even though he's significantly better than everyone else, can have fun because it's now hard for him to win and it's like an extra challenge right where he's playing like three on one <laughs> to try and win uh so that could be uh fun whereas in the co-op now it, it doesn't work that way right no. and so i think that is definitely a problem with uh the co-op versions of these games uh when you're playing into co-op um yeah obviously when you've got the single player version it's just like solving a puzzle for you Aha, uh-huh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that maybe Zombicide is better if you're just playing it by yourself as a single-player game. With controlling four characters, but just all in your yeah. own hands. 
Yeah. Exactly. Or if you want to make actually, it harder, just play only three characters or two characters or something. Yeah, honestly, from my more competitive aspect of gaming, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd rather play this myself and rather than having to wait for other people to make their bad decisions. Yeah. So is there, do you, could you conceivably see yourself liking Zombicide as a single player game? Yeah, I think I could if the board looked better because it's a miniature <laughs> game where I want the more, more personalized experience. So if I yeah, I think we mentioned this built, before, yeah. And I built like houses for it. I'm like, damn, this might be pretty cool to go through and try and solve yeah. the problem that Zombicide presents. Yep. I, I think so as well. Now, I think we've been talking about when we talked about mechanics before, I think there was another problem, in my opinion, with Zombicide and indeed a lot of single player or co-op board games. And in terms of hooking me. And that to me is the fact that they're missing... Um, they're off. They're, they don't necessarily have to, but they're often missing the story hook or the theme hook. So, Zombie Side itself, the mechanics and the way that it's set up is meant to be repeatable, right? And it's it's emphasized on um, so it has like algorithmic, events. yeah, repeatable play. And I think we mentioned this before when we talked about Rangers or Shatterdeep. One, one of the reasons why I didn't like the algorithmic play is because it almost felt too shallow and hollow because, the, because of the algorithms that are running everything, the story that comes out of that is a lot more shallow and it does feel a lot more like a puzzle, <clears throat> right? So maybe because there aren't multiple people around, it's harder to build the story if you're not having like a dialogue with you and like yeah. the other person who you're with. Like if you've got yes. dialogue between you and the people you're working with, and, kind of story. and the characters, right? You're playing against the computer, basically just a, a simple algorithm. There's no, it doesn't feel like necessarily that there's a story that goes along with that. And because it's like auto-generated, it feels like you're just, you know, it's very gamey. It often feels very gamey. Like they're, they're not, they're, they're often interesting puzzles, but it often, it, they, the, because they're trying to make the, the game repeatable so you can play it multiple times um they they put in these kind of like tweaks to make the game feel more gamey and less story focused so just so there's, there's not enough of a decision tree that yes so if you're not trying to make big enough decisions that like in i found with the rangers of shadow missions you could you would kind of try and go for everything and then just kind of pare back for what was going your way rather than having to sort of make big like story arc changing decisions about oh you need to maybe you have to sacrifice this person because you don't think you can accomplish this part of the mission yeah and that's the thing like in a lot of these other games one one of the things that was interesting about rangers of shadow deep is um because it has a campaign where your characters can die that in and of itself right we talked about mechanics before of that that help lend a story feel to games because your characters can die in campaigns, just that the, makes it makes you attached more to your characters and whether they live or die, right? Or they could be and that, story yeah, them, yeah. that lends uh, story mechanics. Whereas if, let's say, Zombicide, there is like a, a buildup, right? And your characters can die, but like the way that the zombies spawn, it's, it's super gamey and, and it just... I, did, I felt like it didn't have as much emphasis on the story. It just feels like you're showing up and doing things, right? And then, like I said, even the blurbs at, every, at the beginning of every mission of Rangers of Shadow Deep helps sets the tone 
for uh, the story in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And then when, you know, like maybe it's the same mechanic where you roll a D6 and like on a one to three, a zombie shows up and a four to six, uh, a big zombie shows up. But in, in Rangers of Shadow Deep, every mission is kind of tailored to, to tell a story, right? So you might get the same mechanic, but it's inserted in a place where it makes more sense for the story, right? It's like, oh, you enter this, this house, then you roll a die. Whereas in Zombie Side, because it's meant to be repeatable and algorithmic, it's like, it feels more like, oh, well, you know, it's all random, right? And you kind of see, you know, you, you kind of, pe- you, you understand what's peeking behind the curtain and it yeah. doesn't feel real because you're like, well, there's a, you know, when you enter a house, you always, it's always a one to three zombie, four to six bat, uh, large zombie or something like that, right? Or I think it's, there's a chance nothing shows up, right? But it just feels less story driven. Mm-hmm. And you got, and because you're the one, like unlike a video game, you're the one actually making these checks. You, it's harder to separate you from uh, the fact that it's just, it's just algorithms and mechanics, right? It's just randomness as opposed to Rangers of Shadow Deep. Actually, it's not randomness. Like uh, the writer, right? Uh, he actually thought where these monsters should show up, and to do that, that means that every mission is different and puts you need a lot more thought each different layout for every board needs yeah and each mission is not as replayable right that's one of the things right one of the major faults the problems of of spending all this time to make to add the story and make everything make sense is you can't replay replay the mission like it, you're losing a lot well you can play it but you're losing a lot it's right? like reading the same book again because it has yes exactly a, has exactly. more choose your own adventure novel aspect to it mm-hmm but in some ways, that's better because sometimes if you like the book, then reading it again is more fun than reading a randomly generated puzzle or, or solving a randomly generated puzzle because there's no story in a randomly generated puzzle, right? Yeah. And the more, even if there's a semblance of a story because of the random generation, the more you play it, the more it becomes obvious to you that it's not a story, right? It's, it's a randomly generated puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to the zombie theme, like in terms of co-op games, I'm just thinking, I've stopped playing video games a while ago, but on the note of zombies, I was playing a lot of Left 4 Dead quite a while back, and Left 4 Dead 2. I found those were like extremely fun co-op games. The first-person shooters are basically, it's almost like Zombicide, but in the first-person shooter format, where like randomly little zombies will show up, big zombies will show up, fast-spitting zombies will show up. Uh-huh. But because like no one has control over everyone that I found like you're all you're trying to do the same thing every single mission but just because uh-huh. you don't know exactly what everybody else is doing you can't see them you can't force them to make decisions like you can suggest things to them over the mic but even their skill them, level is going to affect whether they can actually do, do it the way you think yeah. you, they should do it yeah yeah exactly like there's certain like trigger points you might have to send someone off to do the one trigger while someone goes to do another trigger because there's like a limited time until you just get swarmed by too many zombies to handle so you're like okay who has the skill to handle this and you you don't know if they're gonna pull it off unlike in like something like zombicide somebody pulling something off just has to do with like a roll of a dice of whether they get swamped when they go to a room by themselves or not yeah and so the the co-op kind of thing is like I guess it's a problem, it a co-op issue, because 
you can if you just you can just take over the turn and do exactly what you want to do in mm-hmm. terms of co-op, right? Whereas in Zombieside, not Zombieside, in Left 4 Dead, you can't because it's, you know, it's no, someone else. They're, they're the ones at their keyboard and mouse trying to shoot the yeah. zombies and being so, like, oh, I'm going to lose this, guys. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> don't lose it. We can't come help you. Try harder. <laughs> we can't come revive you. So I, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I haven't actually played Zombieside in a while. I do wonder if it's, if we played it again, if I would enjoy it more, if we had, if we would just, you know, all everyone that plays just is more hands off and just lets each player do whatever they want. Yeah, if they wrote that in, if you're in the same room or within a couple squares of each other, you can talk to each other and suggest things. But otherwise, shut up and don't tell the person. <laughs> what to do. Oh my god, that that's actually yeah. If that's part of the rule, it could be a. You know, that, that does make it more fun. I guess yeah. we are now, like, straddling co-op versus single player. What do you think about playing um, single player or no, co-op games online? Like, one person sets up the board, the beautiful board, so you actually do have a nice board. Of course, only one person actually is moving the, the miniatures. And then everyone else is just, like, controlling one of the characters in this kind of co-op game. Do you think that would work? Uh, I think I would probably play, I don't play much D&D, but uh-huh. I think it would play the same way as like having a D&D group that meets remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure most people find the experience of like gathering around the table with the dungeon master much more fulfilling than just webcamming like we are now. Well, um, yeah, of course, seeing in person is better, right? Yeah, we're humans, right? We like being in person, but at the same time, quarantine right <laughs> so COVID-19 is out there so the question is is enough of it surviving translation to still be fun better than the alternatives right of not doing it right so at that point it sounds like you're playing D&D honestly that's just well that's like the that. thing though but D&D is fun right yeah. and the question is <laughs> Uh, I know you, Brandon, are not that into D&D. You, I feel like you'd actually be more into a miniature, a more miniature game emphasized version of D&D. And technically, it could just literally be D&D with miniatures, but with a more emphasis on combat than a lot more of... dungeon time, crawler. Yeah, more of dungeon crawler version. Like, and technically, a lot of people play D&D as a more dungeon crawler version. It's just the when, when you and I are... Technically, whenever I play D and D, so I don't know if you play with other people, but um, whenever we played together, I always like to do the role playing part. Right? That's I, I guess that goes goes hand in hand with the fact that to me, Zombicide by itself doesn't have enough story, but Ranges of Shadowdeep because it layers on so much of that that story, it's enough for me. Right? Yeah. yeah to be fair, I've never played a dungeon crawler. I did Kickstarter one, so I can. St- decide later whether I like them, but I suspect it may suffer from the same zombicide issues that the person who knows what they're doing will just guide the whole combat. So maybe I won't even try and get a group together. Maybe I'll just sit there and play it myself. (laughs) That's a single player thing. That's the thing you can do with co-op. But the other thing is like, you don't, like we said, right? You don't have to have a alpha gamer that's trying to tell everyone what to do right especially one of the, the great things about D that's better than in the normal uh tabletop board games is that you have a dungeon master and the dungeon master can literally tell the guy that's trying to who's trying to alpha game to shut the fuck up 
He's like, you're not in the same room as this guy. You can't help him. Yeah, stop talking. Stop telling them what to do. Shut up. And and you have someone who has the authority to police things. The problem with the other kind of single player or co-op games is that everyone's supposed ostensibly equal, which means there's no one who has the authority to tell that one alpha gamer to shut the fuck up and let everyone else play. But if you're in a group of players who know that this is a possible problem, you can, as a group, just police anyone who, who accidentally tries to be that person, right? Yeah, but Honestly, usually it's not written in... It's, yeah, it is a good thought. Usually it's not written in the, in the rules of suggestions, though, but maybe, maybe co-op games should write that in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, the, the thing that I'm, I'm thinking. I think it would be fun like with our uh, Frostgrave group to try out perhaps the uh, Frostgrave uh, single player missions. Cause that's another thing, it, same writer. So it makes sense that uh, Joseph McCullough uh, would also have a single player version for Frostgrave. He did release an expansion with not saying like co-op missions for Frostgrave. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's an entire book of co-op missions. And because we're not really playing Frostgrave right now, because of course quarantine, it might be interesting to try and do a co-op version online where one person sets up a beautiful board and, and you have a dungeon master who moves everyone else's miniatures for them. Be interesting. So to actually play Frostgrave, but just with a dungeon master. Yeah. Interesting. And everyone just watches and then the dungeon master moves your miniatures around. And it, so I think the dungeon master might want to have two cameras set up, one camera for the board, one camera for them. Because when you were mentioning before, yeah, I guess so, yeah. having like a miniatures game with one person who's sort of moving the miniatures around. Yeah. First thing that comes to mind is you want to see the dungeon master, just if you're thinking of playing D and D, but you also want yeah. to see the board. Yeah. Not that yeah. you need a board for D and D, but I find that people I see play it now often use it just to just as a communication tool. Yeah, it'd be cool if you have like a a hand cam, basically. Although that would make me sick. A chandelier cam. Yeah, a chandelier cam where you're like looking down on the board and everyone can see what's happening and then you have the face. I think that would be, that would, I don't know. If this goes on for like the whole summer, I will literally Start filing. force you guys to try it. I'm like, this is too long. I need to go play these things. So this is just a thing. I know this is like, I guess our topic was single player, but I guess it's now single player and co-op games <laughs> while being yeah. in quarantine. Well, because it's, it's not that many single player games out there to speak of because the hobby is not focused on that. Yeah. Like I said, it is growing. Um, I think that the number of games with that is growing just like in tabletop. Right. And I wonder if it's, I think we mentioned this before. It's just the fact that our societies have become more and more um, lonely <laughs> and separate. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a more of a need for people who are alone or lonely to uh, play games by themselves. Yep. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird because I feel like, I don't know if it's just an age thing, but me growing up, um, I feel like my parents had more parties with their friends, bring along their kids than our friends and even, and well, my, our friends who have kids and family. Mm-hmm. Does that feel true to you or not? Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's just my family. Maybe it's just that my family, my parents are are uh, way cooler <laughs> than mm-hmm. all of my friends and uh, and my generation. Yeah, my and their kids. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my parents invited people over like a monthly basis at the very least. Mm-hmm. And monthly, monthly. No, that doesn't seem maybe, crazy. Maybe I'm just biased. Yeah, that's not that's not actually crazy. That's 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 pretty normal for. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so getting back to uh, single player fun, co-op. Um, so I think we mentioned that we found Rage was a Shadow Deep fun, right? So, so if it's single player fun, question mark, uh, Rage was a Shadow Deep, we feel like it, it worked. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like... Well, I guess we mentioned before, that there's a lot of dungeon crawlers out there in the miniature game space, mm-hmm. and they're thought of as co-op games. So why not just convert them into, if you're looking for a single player game, just buy one yourself if you think it has good mechanics behind it and just play it yourself. That is true. That is true. There is a bunch of characters. Use them all. You use a couple of them. The, the, The problem often is a lot of the old dungeon crawlers needed a dungeon master. Who oh, controlled yes. them, like uh, Descent and stuff like that. So if you don't have that, you need to run that yourself. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think... Are there a lot of dungeon crawlers now that um, have uh, web apps or, 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 or phone apps that kind of replace the need for a dungeon, crawl, dungeon master? Uh, I have no idea about that one. I don't think it's <laughs> a traditional way at all. I think... I feel like that is kind of um, one of a future thing, right? That definitely would help um, make the entire kind of games easier, right? Because with a phone, you can do a lot of the... So, so like it's the like a video game, right? Phone. You can do you the, all the Choose Your Adventure pages. stuff in the phone, yeah. And so you don't have to flip through pages. And in fact, the most annoying thing about Choose Your Adventure novels is the flipping of the pages and looking them up, right? So if you're able to solve that using a phone, uh, just make that simple. But then you also get the tactile feeling and the cool miniatures and everything from playing the miniature game. Maybe it's a good balance. Well, the phone, if, if they made it a futuristic game, the phone could literally just be your comm device in the future. And the interface is just like, okay, this, oh, web, that's this true. web-based app just looks looks like it's, okay, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's people writing like mm-hmm. handwritten letters to you and you're sort of choosing the answer to them, depending on the setting, or it's high tech. Or, they, yeah, it's like your console that you're natural. always getting, like it's a console where you're communicating to high command and high command is giving you, you know, what are you gonna do next kind of thing. Yeah, it's like your, your command, it's like your wooden desk and you click on the papers on it. Oh. Or whatever it is. Like yeah. If you had a tablet, that would make more sense when it gets bigger and easier to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things that, is an interesting uh, space or place to see how it happens in the future, especially since um, Rangers of Shadow Deep, I think we mentioned this before, has made us a lot more uh, open to the possibilities of good single player or co-op miniature games. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, I thought think that that's like a, a future thing because I see a lot of games now um, having, a lot of miniature games now coming out and having a single player version, right? And even uh, if you think so, of video games, like a lot of when video games weren't so just online based, 
and microtransaction-based, you would buy the game, have the single player, and then there would be an online mode. And often uh, the online mode was sort of tacked on, so it wasn't that good. Yeah. But And so maybe right now it's the opposite for miniature games, right? Where you have the games being meant to be competitive, and then they tack on as like almost an afterthought. They're like, oh, well, if you, lo- if you want the minis, you like the minis. Because, you know, a lot of people that play like miniature games, they're, they're not necessarily doing it primarily for the game like you said a lot of it is just the models and painting the models is the primary fun and then you want a little bit of a game to to put the miniatures that you painted onto the table and shit and you know play with them yeah that's that's sometimes what i do with building armies so i just want to play with this thing why because it's cool yeah it's cool looking and so and sometimes it makes sense that you know the the entire game is possibly tacked on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so. I I I've seen a lot of uh, Kickstarter like Kingdom stuff. Death. What? Uh, yeah. Although I, I heard that Kingdom Death the game is actually fun to play. Okay. I don't know. The game is way has been way too expensive, and it's a little bit too fucked up in general for me. Oh, the whole theme behind it. Yeah, there's like too many penis monsters. It's just a little bit. It's it's a little bit too uh, gore. Like there's too much gore mixed with sex. It's it's not. It's kind of gross to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't want to be a prude, I'm, I'm but pretty sure they were trying, and then they succeeded. Congratulations. To yeah, them. they definitely tried to do they, they it makes sense, you know. Some like the whole like sexy, sexy More shock value from the miniatures, and they've got yeah, a throw- horror. But I'm like, it's too much for me. Not, it's, I understand, you know, I, whatever. If you like it, like I'm nothing against that, but it's not for me. Well, even if you saw like Rage the Board Game, they were just trying to go for like as much murder in the models as possible and as much gore and they didn't go for the sex element but they went for just like murder gore for the figures honestly the thing that creeps me out is the sex and gore mashed together too much Mm -hmm. i felt like it was too much in kingdom death yeah well i don't even watch horror movies so i can't can't comment on how i like horror movies i okay to be fair i've never liked gore but i've accepted gore gore for horror I like horror, right? I like fear. I like feeling that kind of feeling of that, like, I don't know call it, uh, your, your heart pumping and everything like that. But it's just the gore never impressed me or made me excited, right? So the more blood, the more entrails, the more shock, it, it just kind of disgusted me and I didn't get any catharsis after it. It's just yeah. like, oh, that's gross. Mm-hmm. So it's un- unlike the feeling of horror and fear, like when you go through that and you come out the other end, I do feel some sort of catharsis, right? I do feel some sort of, you know, there's some good emotions along with that, not just all bad emotions. Whereas whenever it's a gore, I just feel like, oh, I just had to get through this to get some, some stuff that I enjoy out of it. So, so in Kingdom Death, you, you find some sexy monsters and then the monsters become disgusting. Then they become more bigger, disgusting penis monsters. And then you just fight the most disgusting thing at the end there's no catharsis. Yeah, and there's like a... A huge, um, what do you call it? Undercurrent of like, uh, 
torture and rape. It's too okay. much. Yeah, they, they had the bondage thing going on. With the yeah, it's too much. It's so anyway. it's not for me. Oh, um, it had to be different. So It worked, and a lot of people like it, so whatever. Um, so no comments on that co-op game from us. <laughs> we don't I think we comments. had a lot of comments on that game, just oh, not had- from playing it. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. The, was is that a miniatures game? I guess the the the, the game is kind of board gamey, but like it has really nice miniatures. Yeah, I, I haven't played enough to comment on the mechanics. I've just seen the miniatures because they're at all sorts of shows. Yeah, and a lot of them are really nice. Yeah, they're nicely sculpted. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So. You think of any other single-player games out there that are even just tacked on elements? Um, yeah, I was going to mention the Privateer Press game, but I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. Oh, Monster Apocalypse. Monster Apocalypse is coming out with a single-player version. No, a co-op version. A co-op version. Okay. So a lot of these competitive things are like, oh, yeah, you make a super boss, right? Oh, and Marvel Champions has a co-op version as well. Oh, all right. Where you ha- you're facing against one supervillain or, or something, right? And they, they buff up his stats, and then you're like, oh, now fight him and try and beat him, right? They're kind of like one-off co-op games. To me, I don't know. I haven't tried them. Uh, for my, my issue with... I have issues with both of those games. Actually, not Monster Apocalypse. My issue is that it has uh, the squares on the board. So it's a board game, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like board. It's uh, yeah, it's a board with like squares. And then the other issue I I don't like about it is there's too many small monsters that are on each side. Okay. So like you have your big monster Monster Apocalypse, which I like, and then they're supported by a bunch of little small monsters that support them. Or tanks and stuff, and I don't really like that portion. I feel the like the emphasis should be matter too much. It's not just like castle defense where the small monsters are basically nothing and they just get smashed. Uh, they kind of are, but like no, I know, feel I like they're, they're extraneous, and so I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like that portion. Uh, and then, but to be fair, Monster Apocalypse. I, I never played the new version. Uh, the old version's okay. Um, and then the problem I have with. Uh, the Marvel Crisis Protocol is I don't like the miniatures. Like I'm a big superhero fan, but I feel like the quality of the miniatures is uh, not up to a level that I want for a lot of them. Like, so a lot of them, they just have bad poses and they're just not, like they look like the character, just not they're just not really good sculpts in my opinion. Right? Like when you compare them especially to the night model uh, old Marvel Universe sculpts. The night model sculpts are way nicer and way better. It's like they, they had like a, you know, like an artist really go through and make sure that they looked cool and awesome as as awesome as he can. Whereas the Marvel Crisis ones looked like it was a contract for hire where a guy tried to push them out as fast as possible. Right. They're like this is adequate, and then they just push it. Right, whereas the night model guys looks like no, this thing has to look as cool as Colossus is supposed to look. So I don't know. I guess that's a. So I'm. Not, this has nothing to do with single player. I'm just saying I'm not that into that game. That's that's fine. You said it existed the co-op version, which yeah. basically, as we said, can be turned into single player. 
Yeah, but I do feel like the, the problem is if, if they're one-off games, you're going to be missing the same thing that we talked about that made uh, that made Rangers of Shadowdeep interesting, right? There's a specific missions, and they and 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 the each mission is highly tailored to have a lot of story in the gameplay, right? It's like a mission. You place these monsters here. Uh, when you do something, some, some event happens specific to the monsters and the mission that's written out. Whereas it seems like in crisis protocol, it's more like, um, like, again, it's, it's, it's like, it's more like um, with zombies random, all, yeah, algorithm of play, right? Where you just put the guy there, and he has a bunch of stats, and you do it, and then there's not a really big story you, besides beat up like, the bad guy. Where you already know the probability of all the outcomes. You're like, okay, if I show up at this yeah. point, there's fifty percent chance of like three small zombies, mm-hmm. two out of six chance of a big zombie, and one out of six chance of like yeah. And, and then the question is, is the big bad guy actually trying to do a mission? Actually, I haven't looked. Maybe there is. Maybe there's a mission card, and you don't know what he's trying to do. Yeah. And then you flip it, and then he's like, "Oh, well, he's actually trying to get these power stations, pick up the net, the three buildings, and try and do that." If that's mm-hmm. true, that adds the story, right? That makes it interesting and makes gives it the hook. If it doesn't have that, and it's just if there's no if there's not enough unknown elements to the player, that yeah. doesn't fit the story. Yeah. But it's not just unknown elements. It's unknown elements that make sense. As in a story arc. It's actually a context to the mission as opposed to just yes, exactly. unknown, like trying to gather resource A, yeah. trying to gather the blue key. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's the kind of thing that you want, right? That makes it feel more like a real story that you're playing out. And to me, that's what Rangers of Shadow Deep did really well. And what a lot of these other single player games or co-op games do not have because they're trying to be as repeatable as possible with as little... Uh, in some ways as little writing right as possible right because you know the writing and the story element is like the most time intensive part of writing these things right yeah it's got to be heavily tested otherwise like elements can break whereas if it's got very simple mechanics it's harder for the whole thing to break down and you to get like mm-hmm. stuck like, and it stuck. can just be random then sometimes it's harder sometimes it's better that's like that's just what makes the thing interesting that's the randomness that makes the mission surprising right when something cool happens but then a lot of the times nothing cool happens because it's just an algorithm so yeah that is sort of an entertaining thing for, for oscar if you're like okay is this gonna be one of the ones where we just get massacred or are we gonna go and kill a bunch of flies and then just like walk oh. down the stairs and be like all right that was that was that on to the next mission yeah could be a nothing burger or it could just be some horrific fight where you have to like run with off. rangers though it's planned for the thing right even in Frostgrave, when you when you have a monster show up like the monster well i guess in the main missions they're all just random right but you have the story between the two wizards fighting and then and then for a lot of the campaign missions in uh Frostgrave, the big bad guy showing up is related to the overall arcing arching missions that you're playing right like if you're playing uh the lich lord missions mm-hmm. The big bad guy that shows up is literally the Lich Lord, right? And you're like, oh, that's story-based. Yeah. It's not just like generic monsters appear. Like, okay, we're playing Lich Lord campaign. Oh, we're in his territory, so these different (laughs) monsters are now appearing. Yeah, so it just feels like even the random events are a lot more themey, right? And a lot of the times when you play other ones, they're often not. Although sometimes they are. It's just, it's just, it's, there's like, I, to me, I feel like there's just a threshold of story that I need before I can really get invested and feel like I'm dra- dragged in. And oftentimes, these single-player one, uh, 
just randomly generated single player missions, don't do it. Yep. All right. Well, I think we talked a lot about the mechanics and mm-hmm. its relation to other games, like in the video game space and board game space, and what it takes to get it right. Um, I guess I have one more uh, mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, I had thoughts on uh, terrain, but that's entirely superfluous, just because I like Because <laughs> that's what we've been doing a lot, terrain and painting miniatures. Yeah, um, so we've talked, and, and I think we mentioned this before, we have our, um, our super simple uh, skirmish fight kind of uh, game. And we, from all of this, we have been thinking about doing single-player missions that we can throw to each other and play, right? Right now, because we're alone. So from all we've talked about, where do you think, uh, how do you think that will influence the uh, missions, the single player kind of games that we're doing for our uh, simple game? How do you think that's going to affect, affect it? Or what kind of, uh, what do you call it, lessons from, from our talk do you think that we'll, that you, you're thinking about putting in? So I think it, there needs to be like events that occur throughout the mission that, that may not be guaranteed. Because what, like, sort of what we've learned from Rangers of Shadow Deep is they often have all the events occur in the course of a mission. Uh-huh. So maybe you want to be able to gather all the resources, mm-hmm. but maybe have some sort of, like, whether it rains and you can't see as much, or whether certain enemies appear, or like, who knows what sort of occurrences may happen. Mm-hmm. But just things like that, that, one of like several sets may occur. Maybe we don't want to write these things for every single mission to have individual ones, or maybe some will have an individual that could occur, but just to have thematic things occur like that, just so that you, even if you read the mission, you can't be sure what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, so the, that, you need a little bit of randomness, but, be, but I do still feel like they need to be tailored to the mission, which again yeah. makes the, <laughs> it does make more work, right? When you have, let's say you have four or five different options for this mission, and mm-hmm. on, you only three or three or four of them ever happen, right? It does require a little bit more work into making sure that they're all tailored so they all make sense in the context of the game, right? Yep. And so the kind of thing, I guess what it really comes down to is, it's like, you know, like single-player video games or RPGs. I don't know how much you've played those. Mm-hmm. But they often, the ones that are really interesting and super fun, are because you make choices and they could or could not, you know, happen. And things could or could not happen. But whatever choice you make does impact things later down the road. Yeah. I think there should be more bigger decision trees. Like, mm-hmm. do you like focus your energy on trying to go grab like this thing from this corner of the board or that corner of the board? And there's some story introduction to why you might want to go for this thing or go for the other thing. And you know, it's going to probably impact you later in the mission. And maybe you think they're both important. So maybe you're willing to like risk your crew, possibly uh-huh. everyone dying to try and go for both. <laughs> yeah. So just, you're like, going to get the blue and the red key. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> All right. All right. That's a, a definitely a thing to think about when we do that. And, and I do think that when we write these things, making sure that it's tailored and not making it just algorithmic is important. Yep. Uh, at least for me, it helps, you know, bring you in into the game. Yes. Yeah, just seeing I think what we learned from others. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? No, I think we've, talked a lot about sort of the core mechanics behind it mm-hmm. and you know not what too much about not too much about specific about doing. games but like i think mm-hmm. we talked enough about games that fall into the yeah. individual spaces the slots that are good examples 
All right. Um, all right, then. Uh, if you guys have uh, any thoughts on single-player games, uh, ideas or really fun single-player games, or if you want to even wondering about uh, our game and, and the missions that we're sending each other, uh, give us a shout. Yeah, please do. All right. Uh, this has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us, or just get in touch with us at Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye.